you can never start too early when it comes to eating properly, right? Or eating healthy okay. and also learning your body because some people can't really eat much at all before they run. Some people can mm. eat a little bit, but not a lot. But let's talk about the general parameters for pre and post exercise. So as we talked mm -hmm. about really briefly, the body prefers optimally to run on carbs. So you've probably heard of carb loading, but for 5K, that is not necessary. If you, if you are running for half an hour, 45 minutes, you don't need to have a big pasta dinner the night before or a bagel beforehand. Okay. Your body really only needs a little bit of carbs. So as you're preparing, that's when you wanna kind of see how your body reacts to different foods. So generally speaking, before we exercise, we wanna have a little bit of carbs. So it could be that half a banana, it could be half of an English muffin with a little bit of peanut butter, some kind of carbohydrates to kind of give you your body the fuel that you need. Hi, I'm Tim Banks, and I'm the Dean from the Division of Business and Computer Systems here at Howard Community College. Welcome to At Your Service, where we love to talk about all things food, beverage, and hospitality. Today, I have a very special guest, Bonnie Pace. Bonnie, good morning and welcome. Good morning, Tim, and thank you for having me. Just to give you a little bit of background, I actually have a very long, extensive background in hospitality and tourism industry, but uh, kind of like Great. my midlife job shift, I have, had always been very, very involved in fitness and nutrition. And somewhere in my early 50s, I decided to go back to school and get my master's in nutrition and became a licensed dietitian nutritionist. In the state of Maryland, in order to be licensed, you have to do about a thousand hours. So a thousand hours. I did a clinical rotation with a local doctor's practice. And so mm -hmm. for about the past seven years, I've been a practicing clinical nutritionist. I graduated from the Maryland University of Integrative Health. And the thing about integrative practices is we really look at the whole person. We don't just talk about what is particularly ailing them, but we also look at how are you sleeping? How are you handling stress? How are you handling the other things that are happening in your life? And we really use food as a healing power, as we know food can be both healthy and not healthy, depending on what's happening in your body. So it's really been my passion to work with people in nutrition. I'm also a personal trainer. I've been a licensed personal trainer for almost 20 years. And with Columbia mm -hmm. Association, I still work in group fitness. I teach fitness classes. And I kind of a long time ago realized that, you know, I could teach you how to do a squat. And if you came to me and said, all right, how do I make my legs a little more shapely? Or how do I make my butt a little more round or whatever? I can teach you how to do that. But if I could teach you how to eat properly, it can be life-changing. So that was really where my passion kind of always lied. And right now I practice with a wellness center in Columbia known as Awaken Wellness. And the nice thing about working with a licensed dietitian nutritionist is in many, many cases, insurance will cover the services. 
which is pretty cool. So I'm still doing cool. some personal training, still dabbling in it, but really nutrition is kind of really my, my passion and now really the focus of my career. So I'm happy to be here with you, Tim. Thank you. And we're happy to have you this morning. So tell us about really what defines healthy eating. What does that mean? We see it on advertising, on packaging. We see the word healthy everywhere. What does it really mean when we talk about healthy eating? Well, I think it can be really confusing because it may mean different things to different people, right? Everyone mm. is biochemically different. Everyone has different things going on with their body. And healthy, in my estimation, the simplest answer to that question is eating foods that are from nature. So eating things that are not packaged, eating whole foods, eating things that grow from the ground like fruits and vegetables and in combination with lean protein. With that said, there's so much confusing information out there. And you just have to be kind of cautious about where you get your information from. To tell you a little story, I've worked in gyms for a good portion of my career, and nothing used to make me crazier than when I would hear people, whether they worked at the front desk or personal trainers, giving people nutrition advice saying, you know, you should do intermittent fasting and you should do keto or whatever. And after the person left, I'd say, you know, did you ask that person if they're diabetic? Did you ask them if they're on medication to lower their blood sugar? Because if they are, you probably shouldn't have them doing intermittent fasting because it may not be the healthiest thing for them. So the bottom line is it's really hard to kind of decipher because it means something different to every person because we're all different. And sure. what works for me and my body may be a little different than what works for you, Tim. But the bottom line is you can't go wrong if you're eating. I mean, I know it sounds like so trite that the, here's the nutritionist telling you, you need to eat fruits and vegetables, but really that should be the basis of what healthy eating is. Okay, so I've got a personal question. Hi, I'm Tim, I'm a diabetic. So, and I'm a type two diabetic. So people always have this debate about fruit versus desserts, right? Is it better to eat whole fruit or is it not? I know it's not bad to have a piece of cake as long as it's the right size portion and all those things, but they talk about the sugar trade-off or that sugars are all created equal. Is that a myth or is that a reality? Okay, so that is just not true. So, and here's why. Because when you eat an apple, Tim, you have all that fiber and you have all those things that mm -hmm. help slow that release of blood sugar. When you eat an orange, it has a very different effect on your body than when you drink orange juice. Again, because the fiber slows it down. So even for a type two diabetic, there's definitely room for three servings of fruit a day in your diet. Keep in mind, however, that a banana is two servings, a whole banana is two servings. But okay. a cup of berries is a, a cup of fruit. Even a nice big slice of watermelon is something that would be healthy for you. So, and it definitely has a different impact on your body than eating cake. Okay. And part of that's it what is I figured is something about that refined sugar that's just a negative when it impacts and it causes a spike. But I try to consume assorted amount of fruits and things through the day that'll balance it out. I'm not a big fruit eater. I kind of have to force that pill down because I'm just not attracted to fruit, but I like it once I eat it, if that makes sense. So stay away from fruit juice. Juice. Okay? Got and, it. And 
and anything that looks like it might be healthy. So, you know, like when you went, walk into the grocery store and they have along the produce aisle, all those like super green and all these different kinds of fruit juices, they mm-hmm. have so much sugar. So here's what you need to know. One teaspoon of sugar equals four grams. Okay. Yes. So if you pick up a, a thing of juice and you see that it has 60 grams of sugar, then you need to divide that and realize how much sugar you're actually having. The difference is when you're eating something and a lot of carbohydrates kind of fit this bill too. When you eat carbohydrates, the enzymes in your mouth break them down immediately. And for good reason, because your body optimally likes to use carbohydrates for fuel. Your brain needs carbohydrates Mm -hmm. for fuel. But what you don't want is a lot of carbohydrates that quickly convert to sugar. And then that makes your blood sugar spike and makes your body release insulin. And that's kind of where we start to get into trouble. So for instance, for a lot of people who have like, we'll call it the standard American diet, also known as SAD. Let's say you have a bagel Mm -hmm. or a waffle or a sugary cereal for breakfast. When those carbohydrates break down in your mouth and spike your blood sugar, After a while, when that blood sugar starts to come back down, your body wants your blood sugar to be very even. So what's going to happen is your body's going to start craving carbs again. Crave it. And that's why we're sometimes Mm -hmm. on this roller coaster. And what your body really wants is for everything to be steady throughout the day. So even a little bit of banana, and I think we'll talk about that a little bit more when we talk about exercise and when to probably eat fruits and things like that when you exercise. There's a place in a healthy diet, especially for a type two diabetic to have a little bit of sugar. You just want to, and you mentioned something really key, portion size. So Mm -hmm. the impact of a kiss is not the same as the impact of a king size Hershey bar, although the ingredients are exactly the same, right? So a lot of it is just watch portions too, if that makes sense. Sure. Great advice. Thank you so much. So you hear a lot about personal chefs and dietary needs. Are there pros and cons to engaging a personal chef to support what your outcomes may be if you're on a special diet or if you're trying to bulk up or lean down or whatever direction? How can personal chefs either help or hurt that process? So personal chef, when I think pers- when I hear personal chef, I think immediately of like Oprah right? Of like your Uh people who have very large budgets to afford something like that. Of course, a personal chef would be amazing. But for most people, it's just not within the realm of possibility. But with Mm -hmm. that said, there are some great food services out there that will deliver homemade meals to you. So if you have a personal chef that's in your budget, and then you tell your chef, listen, here's what I'm following. I'm following low fat. I'm trying to reduce my carbs. I'm trying to watch the impact of sugar. You know, some of that is you might want to talk to a nutritionist first to kind of determine exactly what your parameters are. But if you already know what works for you, there's some really good options like Freshly and Factor and Green Chef. Mm -hmm. The reason why I use Freshly and Factor are because they provide meals that are already cooked You don't even have to do any of the prep work. And it runs about $10 a meal, which for most people is pretty affordable. If you do like maybe three to five meals a week with something like that. And that's basically very similar to having a personal chef. Also, 
something like Green Chef or Blue Apron, things like that, they will deliver you everything you need, all the ingredients, including herbs, spices, oils, things right to your door, but you still have to chop and you still have to actually do the prep work. So if you, unfortunately, like me, if you work a lot of nights and you don't want to eat dinners at, at eight o'clock at night, at eight o'clock at night, when I'm finished working sometimes, I don't really feel like sauteing and right. baking and, and doing all that work. So the other option is to become your own personal chef and do mm -hmm. some meal prep work. So for a lot of my clients, we work together coming up with recipes that the whole family will eat because I don't believe in people cooking one set of meals for themselves and one set of meals for their family. I think that's just crazy. We're busy enough as it is. We have enough going on mm -hmm. without having to run like a diner every night for family. So if you on the weekends have a little bit of extra time, that's when I recommend they cook chicken on the grill or sausages on the grill, whatever their family eats. You can certainly grill vegetables. You can roast vegetables. You can make soups. You can do things like that on the weekend so that you have a basis to work with throughout the week. And it just takes some of the stress out of it. I mean, we've all been there where at the end of the day, you open the refrigerator and you go, oh my God, what am I going to do? And you end up getting pizza. So if you prep yeah. ahead of time, then it makes your life much easier. Yeah, I, I agree. It's carving out the time to do it and making it a family activity. Or if you, if you by yourself have some friends over and make it an activity. I think meal prep is one of those things that the more people you get involved in it, the more fun it is and the faster it goes. So you don't feel like the chore of just standing cooking all day and then maybe not being as interested in what you've prepared Wednesday, right? So if you did all your meal prep on Sunday, by Wednesday, you might be feeling fatigued or maybe meal burnout, but by having other people there, they'll switch it up and you can do different things. So one person was working on chicken, somebody's working on seafood, and then you just trade the meals off before everyone goes home. So- I That's a great idea. Funny. And I really like the piece about the attainability of the personal chef experience through culinary food service providers that can give you what you're looking for in content versus having to have someone do it for you or create it yourself. You've got that option to order it and then have it ready to go. So that's a great plan as well. So very good advice about controlling how we consume food in our own homes. So it's hard to grocery shop. Grocery shop is a chore that people, I think it's a love-hate. Either you really like it and you're into it, or you find it drudgery, right? It's too many options. It's overwhelming. You don't know what to do with this certain thing that's on special this week. So looking at resources and recipes and things like that, there's a lot of content out there to support whatever direction you want to go in. So those are great. So when we talk about, we talked about something meal prep, which said, is great, but excuse me. If I, I could just I back up for one second, because there's something that you said yeah. that was brilliant. And I can maybe go a little deeper when you talk about getting people involved. I think it's really, really important to get your kids involved, to get your kids mm -hmm. to start to understand the power of food and to enjoy cooking. And if you get your kids involved in the process, so for a lot of people, they have a hard time getting their kids to eat vegetables. So one way to do that is to have your kids help 
pick out the vegetables. What do we want to try today? Right. What do we want to try this week? What do we want to, let's go to the salad bar, if salad bars even mm-hmm. still exist in, in grocery stores. But There's let's go to market. the salad bar and let's do things that you want to try. And by getting the kids involved, it starts right. to build some of those lifelong habits of healthy eating. Right. I think eating is such a learned behavior, right? You learn very quickly what you like based on what you're sharing. And it's all about the experience of food. And I've seen kids as little as two, three years old that love vegetables. And I've seen them that hate them only because their experience was completely different with vegetables. So it's great to get them engaged in the process. I think that's awesome. So we've got a 5K coming up here at Howard Community College in October. It's an annual event that we host here at the college. And what would be some good ideas on how to plan and prepare for a 5K? How soon you should start or what you should think about eating to prepare for a 5K? I'm sure you've, if you're going to do a 5K, you got to be warming up to that. You can't just wake up and say, I'm going to go run a 5K. You got to start preparing for that process early on. So what are some good tips or recommendation on food consumption around preparing for a good run? So... You can never start too early when it comes to eating properly, right? Or eating healthy and also learning your body because some people can't really eat much at all before they run. Some people can Mm. eat a little bit, but not a lot. But let's talk about the general parameters for pre and post exercise. So as we talked Mm -hmm. about really briefly, the body prefers optimally to run on carbs. So you've probably heard of carb loading, but for 5k, that is not necessary. If you, if you are running for half an hour, 45 minutes, you don't need to have a big pasta dinner the night before or a bagel beforehand. Your body really only needs a little bit of carbs. So as you're preparing, that's when you want to kind of see how your body reacts to different foods. So generally speaking, before we exercise, we want to have a little bit of carbs. So it could be that half a banana. It could be a half of an English muffin with a little bit of peanut butter, some kind of carbohydrates to kind of give you your body the fuel that you need. So when we talk about pre-exercise, a lot of it depends on what the exercise is. If you are going to be on a bike ride for 12 hours, that's very, very different from running a 5K for anywhere from 30 to to 50 minutes, right? Your body just doesn't need Mm -hmm. as much. We certainly don't need fuel during our workout. So I would say start to experiment a little bit by having maybe half a banana as you go for your run and see how your stomach feels. If your body can handle that, that's a great place to start. And again, maybe a little bit of carbs, like a whole grain piece of toast or a whole grain English muffin beforehand and see. So what you wouldn't want to do is have protein before you exercise, because then it kind of difference between, we talked a little bit about how the enzymes in your mouth break down carbohydrates. Mm -hmm. Well, proteins need to be broken down in your gut. So, which is one of the reasons why proteins are much more satisfying. Proteins are much more satiating. But the difference is, if you eat protein before you go for a run, you may run feeling like you have a brick in your belly and nobody wants to feel that way. Got it. So we just have to experiment a little bit. Now, post-exercise, that's when you want to have protein. 
because protein is critically important for muscle recovery and repair. But again, it doesn't have to be an 18 ounce steak. It can be even something as simple as a little bit of chocolate milk. If I could tell you a little story mm -hmm. for a second, Tim. The thing about yes. nutrition, very much like medicine, it's not always an exact science. So to give you an example, I went to a fitness conference once and I went to two different lectures, both by people who had PhDs in nutrition. And the first person was from Colorado State and his job was to train Olympic athletes. And he said, trainers, whatever you do, get your clients to give up dairy. They don't need dairy. It is one of the worst things that they can do. So I'm taking notes. Okay, no dairy. Then I went down the hall and I went to a lecture from another PhD in nutrition who was from Virginia Tech. Mm -hmm. And Virginia Tech has a very, very solid and well-reputable food science program. And he said, trainers, the best thing you can do for your clients is have them drink chocolate milk after they exercise. So now you have two people, both PhDs, giving you diametrically opposed information. Yes. So the bottom line is some of this is you're just going to have to kind of figure out what works for your body. But here's where that chocolate milk thing comes from. It is a really good combination of protein and carbohydrates. It's got just enough sugar to kind of give your body a little bit of energy. It's got enough protein to help your body with a little muscle recovery and repair. And it's easy. So something like that. But it could yeah, also be... A cheese stick. It could also be, again, a, a piece of toast with a little bit of peanut butter, which gives you a little bit of protein and a little bit of healthy fat. So when you're preparing for a race, it's as good a time as any to start to feel like you can eat healthier because you're doing so many good things for your body already. And it's like putting together those pieces of a puzzle. You're exercising, you're eating right, you start to feel better, you start to sleep better, your skin starts to look better. Overall, you're like, wow, something here is mm -hmm. miraculous. And it's really just that combination of eating whole foods and starting to move. And it doesn't even have to be a 5K. A lot of people do run walk and that works too. Right. So it's not like you have to fueling your body for some grueling, long tour de france kind of thing right so you don't feel like I'm it's torture sure. yeah exactly yeah you want it to feel like leisure you want exercise to be something you enjoy and the benefits from it so if i'm remembering right i want a little bit of carbohydrates before a workout right maybe half a banana something small and then post-workout protein but still a moderate amount not a lot the chocolate milk, I've heard that before, that it benefits with muscle rebound and all these things they were saying about chocolate milk consumption after workout. But I used to work across the street from a gym in a restaurant, and these guys would come in and order these huge cups of coffee before they worked out as a pre-workout thing. Is there any benefit to that, or were they just getting the caffeine or... I, I didn't know what it was, but they would come order really big cups of coffee before working out. So there is some research that shows that coffee can help with a workout. However, as you know, if you're a coffee drinker, there's some other side effects to coffee that don't always go well with a 5K run. Okay. okay. Coffee is definitely a diuretic. So yes. you just want to watch 
if you're in a gym and you have a bathroom right there, yeah, you're fine. But it's not necessarily something I would do before I went for a long run. Sure. But yes, there's definitely research that shows. And since we're talking about hydration, can we talk for a minute about Gatorade? Yes. And not necessarily Gatorade in of itself, but let's talk a little bit about when you do and when you don't need Gatorade. So for a okay. lot of people, a lot of kids go away to college and drink a lot of Gatorade and they come home with massive cavities because it's so full oh. of sugar. So okay. when you need Gatorade is if you, now it's like 90 something degrees outside today, right? And if you're exercising mm -hmm. outside, today might be one of those days when you actually do need Gatorade. But most of the time, your body only really needs water. Water is definitely mm -hmm. the drink that you want to have. And if you feel like you have a little bit of cramp, sometimes you can just put a little bit of sea salt in your water and still get the benefits without having all that added sugar in Gatorade. There are lower sugar Gatorades, which are better choices. But honestly, the way to know if your body needs something like a Gatorade is if you sweat, that it turns your shirt white, it turns your, your baseball cap chalky. If you're losing that mm -hmm. much sodium, then you may in fact need Gatorade. If that is not you, really all you need is water. You don't need those added sugars. That is great advice to put a little sprinkle of salt in the water or sea salt in the water to reboost your electrolytes, I guess, and give you that benefit of hydration versus the sugary sports drink that's ultimately not going to do you a whole lot of good anyway, unless you're really pouring a lot of sweat out, right? You got to really be dumping exactly. sweat to earn that energy drink or that uh, sports drink. So great advice. I love that. That's a great takeaway. So for this portion of the conversation, I'm going to ask you a few quick fire questions and you can answer with one word or if you want to go a little further into it, you can. Okay. So these are food favorites, some of them. So the first one is favorite ice cream. Tough. Favorite ice cream is definitely McDonald's soft serve. I hate to admit it. McDonald's, as long as the <laughs> machine's working, right? As long as the machine's working, we can have it. Okay, it, next it's question. It's not that high in calories. It's not that high in calories, and it's inexpensive, and it's just an occasional treat. I like that. I didn't know about the calories. That's a good one. So just in a cup, not the cone or with the cone? With the cone is fine, too. It's a treat, right? Okay, so small portion, treat yourself, occasional, not every day. Okay, next question. Favorite healthy meal? Grilled seafood. Any kind of like Ooh. crabs, shrimp, sea bass. I, it's not something I cook a lot on my own. So if I'm going out, I'm definitely getting fish. I know that I'm getting good healthy fats and it's so delicious. Excellent. And it's grilling season. So perfect. When's the best time of day to work out? Whenever you will do it. Whenever you will do it. <laughs> so it doesn't matter morning, noon or night, as long as you get it in. Whenever you will do it. If you'll do it before work, do it. If you can do it after work, do it. Find the time. Even if it's just 15 minutes a day, just move. Awesome. 
So is there any great thoughts or comments you want to leave us with today? Well, first of all, thank you again for having me. I appreciate the opportunity and it's been great to chat with you about something that I love talking about. My husband thinks I'm completely obsessed with food and he's right. Fortunately for me, I'm also obsessed with exercise. So it you know, kind of goes hand in hand. My final thoughts would be just try really hard. I know it's tough. Many people don't even eat a vegetable until dinner. See if there's ways that you can get vegetables into your life in breakfast. Throw a handful of spinach into your eggs. Have a small side salad or a side of cucumbers and peppers with your lunch. Find a way to get those vegetables. They're full of nutrients. They're full of minerals. They're so healthy for your body. Your body will appreciate it. Absolute. The best advice there is get your veggies in however you can get them. Do it in an omelet for breakfast, like you said, a salad or a side salad for lunch and just load your plate up with veggies. Eat the rainbow, right? The more color, the better, you know, just get it in when you can and exercise in the process. So Bonnie, this has been wonderful. I've enjoyed it so much and I've learned so much from you. You're welcome to come by the Center for Hospitality and Culinary Studies and meet the students. We have a nutrition class that I think they would benefit from you stopping by and saying hi and dropping some of these nuggets for students to pick up. I think that would be amazing. So again, thank you for joining me at At Your Service. Thank you very much. It's been my pleasure. Connect with us. We are Dragon Digital Radio.